0: Welcome back to Ravens Recap. This is our hundredth and episode, which is kind of hard to believe, but we've been doing it for over three seasons now. And to kind of celebrate, we've got Coach Evans on the show for the first time. It's been a long time coming, but we're really excited to have him on. Coach, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Congratulations on 150 episodes. I think we started right around right around the same time. This is my my first full season covering like doing this stuff with the Ravens was the, the season Lamar took over. So I think we kind of started around the same time.
0: Yeah, us and everyone else, it seems. (laughs) That was a really (laughs) popular time to start up. You know, we we had talked about doing a show, and I think uh, the Lamar era really made it happen for us. It's really cool to kind of have these conversations now in the open and getting to know more people in the Ravens flock. It's been a lot of fun. So we wanted to start off the show by talking about uh, the press conferences. We kind of alluded a little bit to the Harbaugh presser because we recorded on Monday and we had already heard it. But then on Wednesday uh mike mcdonald spoke at one o'clock and then edc kind of snuck in at 10 i feel like they never said it was at 10 i'd always thought it was at one and then i was like oh crap he's alive so uh listen to that too and just kind of want to have some of our thoughts so mike mcdonald as we all know kind of came back and i thought spoke pretty highly of the organization which you expected but i thought the most interesting thing about that presser was that he still said that they wanted to be aggressive which isn't that surprising but A lot of what he showed at Michigan was a little bit more disciplined approach, uh, a little simpler schemes. And um, yeah, I think I'm really just curious to see how it plays out. He's obviously been letting go of some coaches uh, and some new coaches are coming on. So he's, he's making it his own now.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing with me with McDonald is how is he going to make it work? Not having premier edge guys. He had possibly the top edge guy and potentially another top five guy opposite of him. So how's he going to make it work without having the, the premier edge guys being able to get pressure with four?
2: Yeah. I think that's a really good point to bring up. Cause I mean, a lot of what we talked about the past couple of seasons was with the Ravens lacking that they relied a lot on wink scheme, basically scheming pressure. And, you know, we'll see what the Ravens get in the draft and what step Oa can take in the off season. And, how healthy Bowser will be when he steps up. But I, yeah, I think that's a great point that if you look at it right now in a comparative to an NFL standpoint, yeah, he doesn't have that same talent at the, this moment. But yeah, it'll be a really interesting thing to monitor in the offseason and the preseason for sure.
3: I feel like the biggest thing I grabbed from McDonald's press conference is that he definitely seems like a hardball guy. And I guess what I mean by that is um, basically just like a very much a leader in terms of building you know, relationships with players, sort of listening to what they have to say, building consensus, things like that. It it kind of actually reminds me a little bit of like leadership and classes at work. Strangely enough, it's like a skill that kind of transcends sports and, and business. It really is a specific skill that not everybody has, uh, especially when you're, you know, just starting out and you're not really in those positions. But yeah, he was, you know, speaking a lot about, you know, hey, look, I may not have all the answers. I haven't been here that long. Uh, he also spoke to his background a little bit. I didn't know he started out as an intern in 2014. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I knew he was developing on the Raven squad, but had no idea he was uh, kind of started where he was. So a pretty cool story overall. You know, I you, know, you love to root for guys like that who, who start from the bottom. I mean, I feel like DeCosta kind of came up the same way. Yeah, I'm excited, man. He just he seems like a good personality. Not that Wink wasn't. Wink was also good in his own way, but I'm just excited.
1: He, he's yeah. thinking about a guy you, everybody wanna, wants to root for. And I really like the fact that he started, you know, as an intern and and, and went the whole steps. And it kind of reminds me of, um, I'm a Miami Heat fan. It kind of reminds me of Eric Spolster. Eric Spolster started out with Miami as a video guy. And and he's been the head coach the past whatever many years. I kind of, I like guys that basically start from the bottom and, and work their way up to the top of the organization. So he, he's a guy that I, I really can root for. I never thought I'd be excited about Wink departing, um,
0: but as it kind of, transcribed and now getting a little excited about it i guess i guess it's a a, a a nice in a way to have a fresh change there and maybe it's a response to kind of where the nfl is going the next presser uh was also really interesting eric da he opened up with uh he's been doing these little videos on twitter and he was like i guess the first question is going to be about lamar's contract and sure enough it was and uh the big news came out it, it was a different tone than it's been the whole time saying uh they're working at lamar's pace and they're comfortable with the 5th year option number of 23 million and if they can make something else happen they make something else happen he said that both sides want to stick around in baltimore so maybe it's lamar betting on himself but i was i was surprised at the way he
1: changed his tone i'm thinking lamar is definitely betting on himself especially, especially based off the start he had this year he was off to a, a, a he was on fire at the beginning of the year and i think and you can correct me if i'm wrong the cap, the entire cap goes up next year. And so if he waits to do a deal, once the cap goes up, he probably think he can get a bigger piece of the pie, especially if that happens and he performs on a level that he thinks he can perform at next year.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it from Lamar's perspective, um, you know, this organization wants you, I mean, they've literally built the entire offense, drafted players to fit his playing style so, I mean, honestly, the Ravens don't really have leverage there. It's it's really, you know, uh, Lamar knows that the Ravens won him bad, so why not bet on yourself this coming season because there are still some things that, whether fair or not, that the Ravens can bring to the bargaining t- table and say, okay, we've only won one playoff game so far with you. Um, obviously, there was a bit of a slump last year. I know on our podcast we've just view it as just a slump. Others in the fan base, are, you know, taking that a little more critically, which is probably unwarranted. But again, it just seems like that's if you're in his shoes, why not bet on yourself and see what happens? I mean, obviously, Ravens fans know that worked out for Flacco. I'm not saying that, you know, that's necessarily going to be what happens. We hope it will be, but it seems to be like a smart business move on his part.
0: Yeah, the worst case scenario for the Ravens is. Lamar gets to the AFC championship game and loses and like still kind of ups his stock through that kind of performance and has a good year and obviously the best case is winning a Super Bowl and it's like okay you're gonna get paid a little bit more for that and (laughs) we're all happy because we got the glory and everyone can say the rookie contract wasn't wasted right (laughs) right and then uh yeah I mean and I really don't think the low end of options is like an injury or just like a really bad season I really I mean injuries can always happen to a player obviously but the bad season doesn't seem in the range of outcomes. He's just, I think, too good of a player to have like a truly bad year. Like obviously he had those uh, slump games, but I I don't think I don't think anyone here thinks that that's going to be the normal uh, the
1: normal for him. His average games, which he put up a a, a good amount of numbers, but his average games seem like a letdown because of what he did in that MVP year. His yeah. his norm, he, he, his normal is different from everybody else's normal. If that makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: And,
2: I mean, you got to look at, you know, again, we're talking about how big the numbers were the first half of the season. He did all that without a starting quality left tackle, without starting caliber running backs. I mean, if if, quite honestly, hopefully that's the worst supporting cast he's going to see in his career here in Baltimore. And he still put up numbers that had them in first place in the AFC 11 games in. So there's no doubt in my mind that the Ravens are going to get this deal done. All signs seem to point to Lamar wanting to be here long term. Obviously, we don't know the guy, but publicly, that's what it seems. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of time uh, when this will, is going to take place.
3: Yeah, another thing that DaCosta uh, mentioned, if we're talking about the offense, uh, somebody had asked him about whether we're going to pick up Hollywood's fifth year option. I think DaCosta was very clear that that's going to happen. I really love this answer for it. I just I thought it was really funny in that, like, hey, he was like, hey, guys, um, you know, I, hollywood he was my first pick you know a little special i love his you know i love who he is i love what he brings um but he was also like you know hey he played pretty well this year uh, I, th- I thought that by drafting him you would avoid having to ask this question <laughs> why are you guys still asking this question i uh, kind of played it off like that i thought it was hilarious but to me man that just seems like a no-brainer yeah obviously you know I fell down a little bit but i've we already talked about all the injuries we talked about having huntley having come in and Seemingly having like absolutely no chemistry with, with Hollywood. You just, again, you go back to the beginning of the season, that eight and three stretch. I mean, Hollywood was amazing. Uh, it just looked like a completely different player in year three. It's it's good that he's going to be back for the next two years. We we got him locked in. So
1: The number that stood out with me is, if I'm not mistaken, Hollywood had right around 70 to 75 quick catches when Lamar got hurt. He only finished with right around 90. And Lamar mm-hmm. got hurt in what, game 12 maybe, somewhere up in there, 12, 13? Is 12, so yeah, twelve. Over over the next five, whatever games, Hollywood had maybe fifteen catches, and it's <laughs> and it w- it wasn't like we w- we were still throwing the ball because you know Huntley had his quick passing game, and then the other guy, I think it was Josh Johnson, he threw for three hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, so no. it wasn't for lack of throwing the ball because you had Mark with what one fifteen or something like that. So it's it's crazy how. His uh production declined when Lamar went out. I definitely think he needed to be on the team though. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's
0: crazy to me when I was watching uh Jason from Huddle Love Films' uh highlight video of Hollywood that I mean he was able to start off with like ten bombs, right? <laughs> like these like, you know, either forty yard catches or or their runaways into the end zone. And I was like, Man, like that was all in the beginning. Like that never happened again after uh after Lamar was out. So we got used to seeing that almost every week, right? Like Even in the bad games, quote-unquote, the games where we didn't win, he was still making plays. He made games against the Raiders. He made games against the Bengals. He he put a spark in the offense, honestly, against the Bengals where he thought they might have a chance to make a comeback. I mean, the guy was always there except for that Detroit game everyone wants to point to and remember as the game with the drops, but he showed up big with the, maybe his biggest play of the year the next game where he laid out to get that touchdown in Denver. so. Overall, I mean, I think he's a player that definitely need to keep around. $13 million is cheap, and uh, EDC even said that. You know, for a guy of his caliber,
2: you got to keep him at that price. I mean, Hollywood, I mean, if, if we interview him, I'm sure he's going to say, you know, it, when they were back in Detroit. He, he was just making sure that Justin Tucker would get his record. You know, he catches those balls, there's <laughs> a touchdown. Tucker never has to kick that field goal. So, you know, he's just looking out for his boy. He <laughs> can look That's into true. the future. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't think we use him correctly. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think Hollywood should be a, 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 a nine route, uh, deep post, uh, some comebacks. I don't think he should ever be running shallow drags or, or you know, little hitch routes or whatnot, unless the guy's way off of him. But, I mean, not even that because he don't make people miss. He, he outrun people. That's what he do. He don't have the, the uh-uh to make people miss in space. He outruns people, so let him run. So, if we need to get another guy that can run too to kind of rotate them two out, you got Bateman to do underneath stuff. You got Mark to do underneath stuff. You got Prochet to do underneath stuff. Don't get me started on Prochet. And then no, you we'll got- We'll get you started.
0: started. We'll oh. get you started. That's Alex.
2: Alex's favorite tangent. It's Prochet. Prochet. I mean, that's, well,
1: <laughs> to get started, then, how does this man go from seven for 76 to three, if not four straight DMPs? That's nuts to me. Yeah. When, when when Ricard wasn't playing, you went to Prochet, and Prochet showed up, delivered, went with his little opportunity, and then the man can't even dress out. I,
0: now he's running up hills in frustration.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, I, I hear you, man. I, we were, we went to that, that Steelers game, and um, when we found out he was inactive, I was just, like, livid. <laughs> I was so mad. And, like, I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing with him? And uh, I really hope that that changes. So something changes this off season, and they want to use him more. That's something that we'll definitely talk about in the offensive progression. But it was wild to me to not have him on the field. I get we had a lot of wide receivers. I think that's a great thing, but I felt like he had to find a, a path with the way that he was producing and just his reliability. The ball went his way; he snagged it. So that's that's a big deal. I thought it was interesting that da Costa took it on him for not handling the Ronnie situation better. And he just said he thought he'd be back and he was wrong. Um, and obviously optimistic about the surgery and hoping that he'll be able to be in uh, full form next year. But I, you got the the drift that he's not going to let it slide again this year. seems like they're going to make sure that they overcompensate, which I, I thought is interesting because part of me thinks it's not maybe the best choice long term. But I can get if they're just – that might be their way of – going quote unquote all in like some of the fan base ones is by overcompensating rather than diversifying where
1: their uh, talent is. I, I like him, you know, just taking saying, Hey, you know, my bad. Cause honestly, you know, if I was him and obviously I'm obviously not, I would have thought the same thing. I would have like penciled Ronnie in to be the left tackle and worried about these other deficiencies on the old line. And, you know, I don't think anybody could have foreseen him, you know, not being ready to play or not being healthy enough to play. But I'm glad glad they did catch it early and allowed him to do whatever he needs to do. So maybe eventually down the road, we can have the guy that we paid for back. Definitely. Yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting. The tackle
2: situation is going to be a very interesting um, position group for the Ravens to tackle this offseason, because obviously we hope that Ronnie's back and he's the Ronnie Stanley that got paid that big contract. But... If he's not, they're definitely going to have to have a better plan B than uh, Alejandro Villanueva turned out uh, for this year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, do you draft a tackle with a high pick? Do you go in free agency again? Do you think that Phillips or McCarry could fill in there if Ronnie's not ready to go? It's going to be interesting to see what uh, ultimately they do as a plan B because they're, they're going to need to a
1: counterpunch if it doesn't work out. Think about this. We went from having one, one question mark on the O-line at the beginning of last year to now having four. I think the only guy you could pencil in as a starter and to be solid is Zeitler now. That's Ooh. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
0: I do think there's a lot of potential at, at left guard, so I feel okay about that. There's so many people that could fill that, that role in. That I feel all right about left guard as a position that's solid. But yeah, the other three are
1: kind of up in the air. You think we left guard just talking about uh, Cleveland and and um, Powers and Phillips and Phillips? Oh yeah, Phillips. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't see him playing tackle.
2: I think that, that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, but if again, if they if they can't <laughs> find anyone else, you know,
1: right. <laughs> someone needs to go there. <laughs> so, so, how do you think he's going to address it? Draft or free agency or both? Oh, I, I haven't figured
2: out yet what they're going to do. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they did draft uh one in in the first couple rounds now i will admit i haven't done my full research yet on what the prospects are i do know a couple um i did watch some of your videos uh (laughs) and some uh you know watch some of the senior bowl practices and games but i mean if if i were them i i think i would use one one of the first four picks on a tackle in case because ronnie's got a big contract he was great he deserved it the unfortunate part, though, is if he comes back and he's not the same guy, you know, the NFL is a cruel business. The Ravens are going to need to to find a way to get the most out of their cap. I, I think, unfortunately, with the nature of this injury and the fact that you do see sometimes you see these athletes, great athletes, sometimes you get an injury that they're just not the same player afterward. Not saying that I know that that's going to happen with Stanley. I, you know, I, I know just as well as any of anyone else. What's going to happen with him? But I think they seriously need to consider. Hey, we need to find someone who can be, you know, at least a solid ta- left tackle that we can rely on to protect Lamar's backside and not run into the issues that they had in games like against Miami uh, this season. In the case that Stanley just isn't the same player.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like they. I feel like that's right. I've been kind of thinking. De to definitely draft somebody in the first couple of rounds. It really kind of depends on how I guess the the tackle depth kind of shakes out in the draft. We were actually talking about it during the Senior Bowl, and that feels like there's a lot of first round tackles for talent in general. And then after that, it sort of falls off, and you might hit a few late round players. But there's really not a whole lot of round two, three, four kind of tackles that are taken. Usually, if they are, they're probably taken and then moved to guard. I do think it's an option, but I feel like if the the Ravens pick up somebody. Um, who they think you can even step in at right tackle. Um, then at least, you know, if Ronnie's healthy, then you have whoever this person is uh, competing with McCarey for the right tackle spot. DeCosta also mentioned Joan James as well. Uh, might be an option. So, I mean, I feel like between, you know, James and McCarey, and if you pick somebody else in the draft, I mean, that kind of gives you the depth that you want. You have at least three, four tackles uh, who can play, who know that you can kind of make the transition, at least be serviceable. Probably, I, I don't know if I would spend the first round pick on a tackle. I just think the Ravens have more needs. We can probably talk about in you know later, but that's kind of how I would expect it to shake out.
0: Here, here's my prediction: I think they settle this in free agency, and the reason why is if they're serious about next year and they really want to make sure that they overcompensate, the way you do that is go by going in free agency because we've even seen tackles that are drafted highly and do that that do eventually perform don't necessarily do that their first year. So I really think if they're, if they're really serious about overcompensating there, they take care of it pre-draft so then they can let the board fall to them. And I think there's plenty of really good tackles. They can get late first, early second, that second pick. That could be great prospects long-term, but don't need to be there necessarily right away. And if they do get thrown trial by fire, it might be fine. But I think where they're drafting, unless one of those big guys fall... They really can't afford to bet on them right away if they're really trying to be plug and play. I don't think that player is going to be there.
1: I'm kind of curious what you think, Coach. We need some quarterbacks to jump up the ball first. <laughs> yeah. yes. first. We yep. need some quarterbacks <laughs> to jump up the ball. But, Alex, I initially thought similar to you, but I had somebody tell me that um because we're so cap conscious, and you could tell by DaCosta's preference, he kept pressing, he kept talking about deals that are good for the, the club. Getting a, a free agent tackle is going to cost guy mm-hmm. that, you know, a guy that's going to perform at the, the rate we want to. And it's going to be, I hate to use the word cheaper, but it's going to be probably team more team effective to draft a guy. Because mm-hmm. if we got if we got a, a, a premier tackle in that first wave of free agency, that's going to cost a, a decent chunk of change. And you know they're not interested in spending like that. Like recklessly is, is what he called it.
0: And it, it'd be crazy too with Stanley, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you if you pay left tackle money to play him on right, assuming that Stanley can come back. I mean I agree with you that it's crazy. I was wondering if there's more of a right tackle prospect that you feel comfortable with. I think my my honest to goodness take is you gotta assume that Stanley can play. That's yes. the only way you can build this team for success. If you start trying to assume that he can't play You've shot yourself in the foot. You shot yourself with a $20 million bull like, weight. And, and I'll,
2: <laughs> I'll back up a second. I'm, I'm not saying that the Ravens should assume that he can't. I'm just saying, you know, just have a better backup plan in this season than, than over the hill Alejandro Villanueva. That, that
1: part of that backup plan is James. And is he coming off a, a big surgery too? A big injury? That he is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> right. So now we're now we're back to Macari and Tyree, right?
2: No matter what, no matter what angle you look at it, like this is this is like one of those logic puzzles that, that the Ravens have to do here. You know, the, the the wooden carved ones, and you have to move it this way and that to figure out how all the pieces come out. I, I kind of feel like that's what the Ravens are dealing with this offseason with with figuring out what the tackle situation
1: is going to be going into twenty twenty two. I think best case scenario, Ryan is healthy. Uh, you have a competition with right tackle with James, uh, whoever else, and a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Not want to say Cologne at center, but I would love for both to be resigned. Even you know, and uh, then you got your battle at left guard with those three guys we mentioned earlier. So I wanted to touch
0: on something you brought up, Coach. Listener Garnett West asked, you know, EDC mentioned, like you said, they don't want to leverage the future with a big name signing, uh, and kind of make sure that. that anything they do is a sustainable move rather than a short-term game move. How did we feel about that? I know there's a lot of Ravens fans who feel like the cap is fake and
1: there are ways to, <laughs> to get around I think, it. I think the word is cap is cap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, and he mentioned some teams when he was talking about that too. He mentioned, you know, teams mortgaging their future and I instantly out of the Rams. Mm-hmm. And he talked about some teams that are in pretty much cap purgatory, which and I thought about the Saints. Mm-hmm. So I, I – <laughs> EDC is like me. I I I prefer a homegrown guy, and so that's why I love draft picks. And I know a lot of people's like, get rid of some of them picks and go get you a premier guy, and and that could be right. There's no wrong right, wrong way to do it as long as you win. But I just prefer to draft guys and develop. I don't, I don't know if that's from the high school in me, you know, wanting to develop freshmen to seniors, or I just no. And if it's, if it's a, if it, you do a, a quick Sign like that, he got to make an immediate impact. Like from game one to game Super Bowl to the Super Bowl, he -hmm. got to. You know, those guys, you know, a lot of those guys are older and one twisted ankle and they off the cliff. (laughs) That's true.
2: Yep. I'm trying to think who in Ravens history was the longest tenured free agent? Like, how the longest time that someone had on the team who was a free agent signing Anthony Levine.
3: You could yeah, say that, I guess.
2: I mean, he, is, he feels like kind of an undrafted free yeah. agent, though, who just flopped out of a couple other <laughs> organizations. But, I mean, yeah. I, I How long with Steve Smith here? Three only three seasons. Three. I think just three, three years, right? 14 through 16? I think so. Something like that. No, he wasn't because that was Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin replaced Steve Smith. Well, Jeremy Macklin was supposed to replace Steve Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree question. with I agree with your point. I mean, that's the thing you're – I, free agency i think you know you use it to set you're just like okay we've got all these players here we're just two or three stop gaps away from you know a deep playoff run that's what you use free agency for, like what the ravens did in 2019 they had a pretty complete roster they signed mark ingram cuz they weren't sure about the running back situation you got earl thomas because you needed some help with the safeties with uh, jefferson and and weddle gone um, and that worked out good for them and both those guys i mean thomas obviously is a different case but i think he would have you know probably been off the team by this point if what happened hadn't happened uh but Mm -hmm. engram you know they got him in his last year of, of really being a pro bowl caliber athlete it seems unless he you know has a second rejuvenation uh later but yeah your best case scenario is to is to draft talent and You know, take advantage of that while you've got them on rookie deals and sign them to team-friendly extensions. You know, you could use the Rams as a counterexample because obviously they've made two Super Bowls in what, the last four or five seasons. Maybe they win on Sunday, maybe they don't. But they're kind of the exception to the rule. And we'll see, you know, when those guys, their time is up, we'll see how long it takes them to rebuild. You know, you can only Uh sign free agents so long and eventually you're going to have to draft. So
1: Ramsey and Aaron Donald are not old. So they, another another payday's come of both of those guys. That's right.
3: Yeah. I think I might have an answer for the longest tenured free agent. Uh Kelly Gregg, he seems to be pretty close. It looks like he came over for the Eagles two thousand one. He was there until two thousand ten. If it's not him, if you don't want to count him, maybe Derek Mason or uh Michael McCrary. They were here for five seasons, maybe six.
2: Those two are mm-hmm. really good examples, yeah.
1: I forgot about Mason.
2: Those are the guys that the question was posed, I think, in the presser was, you know, Greg and Levine, like we said, are for all intents and purposes basically undrafted because you know they didn't have to sign on to big con Mason and and McCrary were established and you that's the the big money guys you're going after and I guess that's right. that's the point that the coach was making is you're only going to have those guys for for a little bit
1: mm-hmm. right like I think I think um Earl and Mark were signed 3 years but realistically when you're playing you're here for two right
3: yeah yeah I mean I- I don't. I don't know if this year I see the Ravens doing anything like that. Just because, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe we could look at the names later and see yeah. who's available. I mean, one guy who might cost like a little bit more money, but I don't feel he probably won't like mortgage the future. Is uh, Tyron Matthew? Oh, honey badger, honey badger, <laughs> <laughs> Tyron Matthew. I think it's interesting, but I guess he would be on his third contract. So I mean, yeah, he might, you know, might demand a little bit of money, but it's not like he's, you know, looking to break the bank. At least, as far as I know, I think that would be an interesting signing.
1: And uh, half the free agent market not out there yet because of cap casualties.
3: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you gotta watch out for that. I think this year there's gonna be a lot of those cap casualties. They're usually the ones that don't impact the comp pick, if I recall correctly. So. That is the Ravens bread and butter right there. (laughs) Like, oh, you got cut? We love you.
3: (laughs) That's why I think Matthew's so interesting is that I feel like every Ravens free agent that they pick up, just look at games where someone really hurt the Ravens on another team. That's who the Ravens are going to go after. Time and time again, you look at all the Ravens free agents. I mean, you go back, Derek Mason, great one. Steve McNair, another great one. Lee Evans was terrible in Baltimore. He had like three touchdowns against us that year before in 2010. He was a great pickup. Uh, Matthews had a two-interception game, I think, in 2020 against the Ravens. He's played amazing against us every single time. I think it's a perfect fit, to be honest.
1: He's a smart individual, smart, tough. He's one of them, them... the guys that has more heart than I'm gonna say physical ability because he does have that, but his heart is way bigger than his size. And I know I looked at something the other day, and they talked about um how a lot of people want the long, big corners. But if you look at the the corners from the Pro Bowl, I think the tallest one was maybe J.C. Jackson, and the rest were five nine, five ten, five eleven. Hmm,
0: that's really interesting. That's definitely the antithesis of the way the Ravens kind of construct their uh, their cornerback
1: room. I mean, we do have a freak of nature in that room. We just, I hope he can produce. And that's Westry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too.
0: I think he he's a big pickup. Another guy that's kind of interesting or area that I thought was interesting that he, he talked about was the running back room. There seemed to be a little bit less um, confidence that the guys would be able to come back. And I guess, I mean, they were early season injuries, you know, preseason injuries, but I don't know if that is something about their recovery that he knows about that he was kind of hinting at or what. Because, I mean, obviously running backs, um, need all the explosion they can get. And we've seen that ACLs, sometimes they don't come back full strength right away. I know this running back class is deep, so there's a good chance that the Ravens will be able to find somebody even undrafted that could uh, be a really high quality uh, substitute, unlike what we were able to find this year. But it definitely
1: seems like a, a running back will come into the organization one way or the other. Yeah, I would personally keep um, keep Freeman and Murray on a, on a short leash until those guys um, come back or we see what kind of time frame we have from them, but definitely taking a guy, you know, later in the draft. Definitely got to get some kind of, somebody with some bursts has to show up. Because even though I like, you know, what Freeman and Murray tried to give us this year, we need somebody with some bursts. And the only person on the roster that probably could have did that was Duvernay, and we didn't see him back there.
0: Or Tyson. Or, yeah,
1: well, I don't forget you, Tyson. Don't <laughs> you got to make a block to stay in the game. <laughs> yep. Nope, for sure. Yeah, I
0: rewatched that series in uh Cincinnati and uh for one of the studies I was doing and yeah, that that was what killed him. That yep. whole that whole sequence right there was just kind of embarrassing to be frank. And uh and the coaching staff did not have the same leniency some
1: fans <laughs> did. <laughs> That's for sure. And a lot a lot of people were calling for Tyson to go in, but you gotta think about it. I'd rather him be on a bench than Lamar get blindsided and be yep. seriously hurt. So you have to it's trade-offs and he wasn't that impactful of a back to keep throwing him out there without it with his pass pro. yeah
2: definitely we talked about the offensive tackle position being the the logic puzzle the hopefully the running back position isn't um i was wasn't sure to read what Decosta said there as you know was that just him overthinking it because he thought ronnie was looking good last year and then ronnie turned up to camp not as healthy as he thought or is there actually you know not coming back along as fast as he they were expecting. We saw Acres obviously come back from his injury in the postseason. Uh, he had some flashes, then there was obviously some rust. They'll have time in the off season to get over that. But yeah, I I, I agree with you with the keeping Freeman and Murray around. Um, obviously, that's not ideal. No Ravens fan wants that to be the number one and two backs uh, when. The kickoff happens for 2022 but that has to be the the backup plan if there's nothing else there but yeah I think we'll definitely keep an eye on the draft because it's seems like it's almost a guarantee that they are going to get someone unless for some reason any back who's worth anything um, is gone <laughs> by the time they want to get around to that so yeah I mean Hopefully, you know, Dobbins and Gus can come back and, you know, be, it can be like 2002 Jamal Lewis. Jamal, after his injury, he had, interestingly enough, it was his second most yards of his, uh, from scrimmage of his career coming off that injury in that year. And then obviously the next year he had the 2000 yards. So, you know, we're hope for something equivalent for Dobbins and Edwards, but, uh, it's an unknown that they're going to have to have a contingency plan in place for in the case that, you know, they're not ready to go week one. That's crazy. Wow. I didn't even think about it. So,
0: Jamal got hurt in training camp in his second year, and he was a high draft pick, obviously fifth overall. And then Dobbins at 55, he he got hurt in the preseason. Dang, it's like yep. the same parallel fate. So, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully
2: we can see a nice right. season out of, out of so, like so that. So clearly, Dobbins rushes for two thousand yards in twenty twenty three because because Reasons. clearly that that has to be
0: <laughs> just like when you uh, fire your offensive coordinator mid season, you clearly win the Super Bowl. That's how exactly, that's right. how it works for Ravens. <laughs> uh, right. Extremely odd.
1: I actually, was at that Super Bowl not in the Superdome, but I was in New Orleans for that Super Bowl. Oh, nice. oh, nice.
0: That's the dream, man. That's to be at a Super Bowl, but. It is pricey.
1: Yeah, my wife asked me. She said, would you go to the Super Bowl? I said, not paying for it. I'd have to get a free ticket. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what if I get a chance? No. We're not mortgaging the whole house for a Super Bowl ticket,
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you guys see that tweet from uh, Ocho Cinco today? No. He was like, I don't know how anybody's supposed to buy these tickets. And it was Twitter had flagged it as like sensitive content. But you look at it, it's just StubHub, and it's like $15,000 ticket seats. The,
0: the technique is you have to not have a ticket. You have to wait, uh, and and about mm-hmm. you know, like an hour before the game, or there's a, there's a there's a sweet spot right before the game where the tickets get to their lowest. That's if you're trying to save money, that's the way to do it. And you can actually get in for like relatively cheap, like sub a grand. You can do it. It's just uh, you have you have to be willing not to get a ticket. Essentially,
2: yeah, I know I know someone who did exactly that for for the most recent Ravens Super Bowl, and they. Basically, sat with their back against the roof of the Superdome, but they got in
1: for like (laughs) four (laughs) hundred. I've done that. I did that for a New Orleans Saints coach game when Peyton Manning was with the coach, and I could turn around and touch the 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 last seat, and it's not a bad seat.
0: Especially if you like, if you
1: are all twenty two, like you kind of like that view, right? It was not a bad seat for me.
0: Nice. That's what we're all about, man. We're all about the all twenty (laughs) two seats. (laughs) You won't see us in the lower bowl. That's our like a point of pride, to call it the all 22 seats. Not the nosebleeds. Right. Yeah, not that we can't afford those uh PSL's
3: right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, they are expensive, but <laughs> yeah. No, that's a uh, that's uh yeah, we we want the, the all 22
1: view. Got to see the whole field.
0: Anything else we wanted to talk about from EDC's presser?
1: Uh I just thought it was funny about the uh the wifi situation about the draft. <laughs> Cuz I I I thought everything went all fine and I hear that you know, hear him talk about, look, I won't be here if we got to do it from my house. I thought that was fun.
0: Let's jump into this, man. So, the, we talked about it when we saw you at the game. We wanted mm-hmm. to talk about the offensive progression, the kind of the steps they took in 2021, and then how they can build on that in 2022. So, I guess you can kind of kick us off with that and what you,
1: you thought about the progression this year. I, I think when we talked about it, when I saw you guys, we talked about the quick passing game. Mm-hmm. Like, and. Lamar didn't have very many of those options initially, I thought he didn't have any, but um Mike Crawford, he would send me stuff to my inbox and show me you know examples where they were calling a place that I, that they called for Huntley with the same concepts, but Lamar just wouldn't throw it so I would I, however they need to get on the same page because in my opinion, that quick passing game will help your running game because all they are is just run plays without handing it off, and it also help you help him do what he wanna do because we all know he wants to throw the ball deep to Hollywood. Getting mm-hmm. getting those safeties to be in the box and making teams be one high will open up his deep passing game. But it's up to the play caller to to help make him understand it also. And he may already understand it. I don't know. I don't I don't know the guy. I don't know his football IQ. But I just I do know from what I see is he wants to get the ball down the field. And I don't know if it's because you know, to prove people wrong or whatever the reasoning is, the short passing game will allow him to throw the ball more down the field and will also open up the running game for him and the running backs because you got the ultimate space eater in Andrews. You got a guy that can get over top in Hollywood. Now you got another intermediate guy with Proche and Bateman. You got all the tools you need is up to the play caller to maximize them guys. Can he do it? I don't have a lot of faith in him. But hopefully he will.
3: Yeah, it was really interesting just out of those first couple of games. I mean, you're right, coach. It was kind of like it always seemed like Lamar was kind of looking for that deep ball. And, you know, it it was successful at times. And when, you know, everybody was walking and, you know, he could find those shots. But too often it just got to a point where it's just like, dump it off. Dump it off, man. Just like use some of these other underneath options. And, yeah, it's it's weird that it kind of took us until – basically his injury and then after that we started to see okay well we can get Bateman involved we can get Andrews involved we can get all these other guys who can still be productive with your backup quarterback yeah it really kind of lends it like is it is it really a problem with the offense or you know maybe was it a problem with Lamar was he not seeing those options and being able to take them
1: could it be trust also could it be Mm -hmm. trust that you know having trust in them guys trust in who the The other people because you know we know he Mm -hmm. trusts Hollywood and um and Mark could it be not you know throwing those guys the ball because they didn't they, maybe they hadn't produced in the past and he didn't trust them? Could I mean at, me personally, as a, you know, if I played quarterback, if I didn't think you would catch the ball, I probably wouldn't throw it to you too.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I'm sure that's I'm sure that's where it is with Boykin, but I don't know about the rest of them guys.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I think I think he has, I think he'll have to trust with with Bateman. I don't know what the deal is with Proche, but he also wasn't really getting those opportunities when Lamar was still in the game. So hard yeah. to say. I think one thing I'm looking forward to in 2022 is what happens with uh, Tylen Wallace. Mm-hmm. It started to really look like that kid. I mean, I thought he could play from when he got drafted and what I saw of him. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens are just in a pickle when it comes to trying to use all these guys. Because you got Duvernay who demands touches, too. And, you know, maybe he can develop into a wide back light like uh Debo uh, like to call himself yeah i mean i think he has like the build i think he has a lot of what you would want out of that kind of player it really comes down like you said to the play caller is he gonna let that happen
1: mm-hmm.
0: we'll see i'm gonna say probably not because they didn't do it this year <laughs> when we really yeah. needed it
3: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i mean do we think a greg roman offense is going to use Juvenile in that role
1: if he didn't use it this year when he had nobody that could could turn and burn on like the jet sweeps or the the, I forget what I'm calling the QB counters when he would run a guy in motion if he didn't use Duvernay then without Dobbins and any other speed I don't see him doing it this year I could be wrong but that was the perfect opportunity to use him because I'm like okay I ain't got no backs that can run let me -hmm. let me try Duvernay
3: right Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it, it is a really perplexing to gosh it Love to be inside the the front office discussions about Roman. Like, where does the franchise, you know, the front office truly stand on this guy? Because, I mean, obviously the fan base has plenty of opinions and, you know, some of them are a little harsh, but a lot of them, you know, are warranted. Granted, we did see some improvements with the play calling this year, but, you know, like you're saying, it seemed very obvious that you have a guy uh, who can fill in and somewhat of a halfback role. Uh, who has more explosion than the guys you're actually starting in the halfback role. And you didn't use him at all. And still some questionable play calling, you know, inside the 20. And if, if I mean, I, I think in December, if you knew that one of the two coordinators was going to be gone after the season, I think pretty much everyone would have said it would have been Roman. And again, I mean, you know, to Roman's credit, the Ravens struggled mightily to run the football um, you know, but between 2013 and 2017, I mean, you had Justin Forsett's Pro Bowl year in there, but that was pretty much it. Uh, Roman came in and, and drastically improved that. Um, you know, like I've said before is, is Edwards, Gus Edwards in a non Greg Roman offense? I don't know. Really the only productive, you know, performances we've seen out of him has been there. Um, but you know, a- anyone who knows football, I mean, because you are a coach, you know football, <laughs> and you're seeing that there's some some things about his play calling that just aren't working. I don't know. I, it's would be really interesting to know what these guys really think of Roman behind the scenes and what the what the hope is for him uh,
1: this coming season. In, in his in Roman's defense, and, and trust me, I've been there, but on a much smaller level. If your o line is what our O-line was NFL-wise, it's tough to call anything and make it work. That is true. It's, it's, yes. You know, it, you can, and I, I say this because I, I really, truly feel it, and I've been there recently. If your O-line is not doing what they're supposed to do, it's tough to run it, throw it, or anything, and it's, it's extremely frustrating. Because if you're if you, you running it and your guy's getting blowed up, what do you call because running is the base of our offense and then if we drop back to throw it and the edge is getting beat now you put your quarterback at risk so if you, in his defense if the o-line is and they were they were they were subpar it's tough it's it's you know it's tough it's it's you back to that puzzle piece you mentioned earlier it's it's almost you almost damn if you're doing damn if you don't because you can't block either way your interior is not good and your edge is not good so now, if, if, if put it like this, if we didn't have athletic QBs, we probably would have had just as many quarterbacks as we did running backs.
3: Mm-hmm. If we had stand-up statue guys,
1: <laughs> we'd probably went through four, five, six quarterbacks. But we just so happen to have guys that can move around and get out of situ- You know, get out the pocket and do things. If we had stand-up statue Joe Montana type guys, <laughs> tough. <laughs> yeah, it's tough.
0: You're right. I mean. Games are won and lost in the trenches. Everyone knows that. Um, and, and that's watched football long enough. And and you're right. And when you look at the, the passing game that they're trying to deploy, anything that took time to develop, it was scary. It was scary that it would fail from the offensive line perspective. Obviously, the Pro Bowl is the softest game you'll ever watch. They had all the time in the world to throw, right? What a world difference it makes. They score 50-some points. <laughs> Obviously, there's other, there's other components to that. But I mean, there's something to be said about having time in the pocket. And we saw when, you know, Lamar had a clean pocket and had time. That's when he hit those big plays and and could find things happen. A lot of the big plays that happen that are quick passing, you have to rely on a slip or just, like, you know, extra effort by the, the ball catch, uh, catcher. You know, it, it's not as easy. And like you said, with the kind of guys we have, um, they're not going to necessarily make you miss right away. <laughs> you know, they, they have to kind of outrun you. So... I think it was a difficult situation. I mean, obviously, you don't usually take away all your running backs, your left tackle in the first game, right?
1: That's what he had. I mean, that's that's huge. I keep forgetting about Justice Hill.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal, man. I, I'll still never forget seeing like a barrage of messages at work, being like, is Alec alive? Because <laughs> of those injuries to Peters and – and uh and edwards and i was like oh god (laughs) i can't believe
1: it (laughs) i I was at practice when the um edwards stuff came out and we have another coach on our staff that's a ravens fan also and so by the time we had a little break or whatever i walked up to him i said man you see um you know jk app he's like you see the other i'm like yeah that's what i'm telling you about jk he's like nah peters i'm like "Nah, nah you got the wrong person you got to be talking about jk he's like nah peters out too and we just kind of just kind of hugged you like, man, it's going to be rough this year. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we beat the Chiefs and things looked possible, but that was uh, short-lived in a LA. way. <laughs> that, that was the whole season, though. That, that, that stretch, that first 10 or 11 games was a microcosm for the next five or six. Every game, with conception maybe one or two, that I was for sure we were going to lose. We fought to be in it or winning it. And we found a way to blow it at the end. Just like the this, this season, we started off, you know, great and we blew it at the end. But them, mm-hmm. those last five or six games, like the Rams game, I didn't expect us to be in it. That's the game I met you at. But mm-hmm. then we had a chance to win that game and probably should have won it. Yeah, we should have. A couple of the, the two point conversion games. We should have, you know, maybe should have won those, you know, one or two of those. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, you think it wouldn't go two for eight. <laughs> on two point <laughs> conversions, particularly have Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know some of them came after Lamar, but most of them came with Lamar, and it's it boggles the mind that uh, he he wasn't able to convert those more often. All of them came in the uh, the Colts game, where they're absolutely necessary,
1: but uh, they were on but another if level. He of that, uses, that if you use analytics, those numbers should be in the analytics playbook. So next year, you should not do that. If you if you truly use analytics, like you say two for eight is not a good number. Nah, i think it's too small of a sample size man yeah ah, i try, <laughs> you go, I, try well,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think not the up. one
2: thing we can all agree on though is, is the the play calling in those situations left a lot to be desired yeah with the exception of the Steelers I one that was one. the right yeah that was the yeah. right call just execution was not there mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that call is crazy to me because looking back it was the same call they did against the colts fun fact if you watch it it's the same play they ran against
2: the colts and they converted on the first or second conversion?
0: The one that Andrews, right? Cause it Andrews, Andrews got Andrews.
2: both of them, didn't he? No.
0: Uh,
2: Hollywood, Hollywood got, got the second one. Ground, one oh, did yeah. he? Okay. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so it's the same play. The only difference was that uh, in, I believe, yeah, the Steelers game, um, Mark released early. Like, he, uh, he was in motion when the ball was snapped. The other one, uh, Mark, didn't move until the ball was snapped. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the same concept, so... Maybe they, they were like, we got to get them out there a little faster. We got uh, a <laughs> Watt on the edge. <laughs> they were right. <laughs> so I think another thing that I expect the offense to do to kind of make a step is uh, use more of the RPO. Harbs mentioned in his press conference that they actually had great success with it. And, and the, the follow-up question I wish somebody in the press asked was, well, why didn't you? <laughs> you're seeing that you're having success. Did you notice in retrospect? Uh, and I don't know, coach, if you have a, a thought on maybe why they
1: didn't use the RPO more. Two things. Um, I think once Tyler Huntley got in there, I don't know how comfortable Wink was calling them, especially with the the O line not really holding up run wise. So it's going to be tough to make the read for Huntley. I think that may have been part of it. Part the O line, part you know, not performing like they need to, and then not wanting to put too much on Huntley being a backup guy until he was a starter. Because I think he did a couple times once he started, like the second, I mean the third or fourth game, but definitely kind of went out the out the window when Lamar got hurt. But as far as what you said about Harps talking about it, Harps went down this whole list of things that was wrong with the offense. Like he went on this tangent for about a good three to five minutes about things that went bad on the offense, but you got rid of the defense corner. You can't be quiet now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Bringing that up. I, I was, I noticed that too. It was a, uh, it was a little interesting of, of just how all that went down, he just started like it was like he was on his diatribe of just like trying to throw out a bunch of stats. He'd be like, "Well, well, we were like you know whatever ranking in the NFL." And he's like, "But you can't look at that. You got to look at all these other stats. Like the stats are misleading." It was uh, it was interesting. My hunch is this, and I don't think it's
0: necessarily wrong. I think if they they think that if uh, Roman has a healthy offense, he'll really kill it, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. We we like to forget. When the Ravens were having that, you know, early season, Lamar was in the MVP conversation. After the Chargers game, we thought that this offense might be unstoppable, even without good running back play. We were just like, with the way they're passing, and the way that it's going to open up the run, like, how can you stop it? And the answer is, it just got cold, in my opinion. Like, it wasn't, I don't, and maybe it's the O-line problem that just got worse over time, but, um, I mean, there's a there's reason to think. And there's, you can, you can paint the picture that Harbs is looking at. Like we just get these pieces together. We put a little bit better line out there. We know Roman's system can work and I can, I can get behind that. I think the thing that concerns me is I think Roman needs good conditions to succeed. I think he can't turn water into wine. Like maybe some other coordinator could, but it may be his potential when things are right. Is higher than other
1: coordinators. Well, I think Roman's offense is built for bad weather, though, and not necessarily Lamar being, you know, with the, the zone read type stuff, but running the football. He, you know, Roman's a great run game coordinator uh, of the scheme ways of the run the ball. He is a probably one of the top guys in the league. There's no doubt about that. And, and I kind of agree with you. If you throw a healthy O line out there on top of, you know, what Lamar, how he progressed in the deep passing game, and you, you know, put him, give him some quick game stuff, and your, your back's so back because there were a lot of runs that if JK's in there, they're probably 40, 50 yard runs. But Freeman's mm-hmm. getting you eight or six because, you know, he just can't be the guy at the edge or he don't have the one, the cutback or whatever. So, and, and even and that was with the poorest offensive line. So I, I can totally understand if that's his thinking because, like you said, it could be true. Because of what happened in nineteen, but just know nineteen success don't guarantee twenty two success, but our lack of success this year will help us with that fourth place schedule too,
0: yeah, we're gonna win first place this year, I'm calling it we got we got the cakewalk <laughs>
1: schedule, man, we have to, so it's gonna be our one chance to do it maybe <laughs> that that fourth place schedule and and those guys if everybody comes back healthy uh I think we'll be pretty darn good to the fact that i've i have Actually I'm actually trying to go to three away games. Both Florida games and New Orleans. Nice. Trying. I'd oh, be sick. That'd be great.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but it's just amazing. Like, yeah, we got the fourth place schedule at eight and nine. We're two games away from being at first, uh, with with the Bengals. I mean the you know, the Bengals are great now, they've been playing great football in the playoffs, but they're only you know, they were ten seven. Right. right. You know, they weren't that great in the regular season. did you know, they lose to the Jets? They lost to the Jets. So did the Rams. <laughs> oh. yeah. and well, the Rams, was the Rams
2: wasn't this year. It was last year, right?
0: I don't remember. Was it? No, yeah. It was 2020. It was 2020. It was 2020? Yeah. I,
3: I
2: didn't think that. Ha- so that didn't happen with Stafford. Anyway, don't worry yeah. about it. Don't. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the Jets were still bad both years. Yes. But point taken. Point taken. I mean, the Rams almost lost to us.
0: <laughs> right like, that is right. true i i That's honestly true. got lower lower on the rams as the season progressed and then when we almost beat them given what the state of us were I, I i thought you know oh man they they don't got it no more but they they turned it on near the end of the year and i know then they haven't had perfect games and we we talked about this last episode but i would love to get your thoughts on a coach of that matchup going on in the super bowl i think the rams just have a really good matchup against the Bengals. i'm kind of rooting for the Bengals in a way but I also like a room for the Rams. I, I'm I'm undecided at this point. I I've, I've shifted from in the Rams' favor to undecided.
1: Um I don't think they've played their best ball yet. The Rams offensively. I think no. they've made plays in clutch situations, but I don't think they've played their best ball. Um and I I'm rooting for the Rams because other than Lamar, uh Odell is my favorite player next to Lamar. Um so I'm rooting for the Rams and the Cam Akers, Mississippi thing too. Um, also, they got Darrell Henderson too. That went to a school that my good friend of mine uh, is a principal at. Mm. Um, so I'm rooting for the Rams, but I'm very excited to see uh, Chase and Ramsey. But I do think T. Higgins is going to absolutely go nuts on number—I oh, forget the, his name—number eleven for the Rams. Mm. Ramsey and 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 and, and Moore is going to be good football to see, but I think T. Higgins is going to lose his mind. On the on the other corner, I think they'll do a decent job versus versus mixing. But Ramsey's going to have to have an impact on this guy. Like he dropped those picks in this the AFC Championship game. If he gets the chance to do that, he has to make them because the Bengals are going to keep coming and they're going to keep coming and they're going to keep coming. That lists us on 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 defense a little bit. You just got to expose Eli Apple for the bad apple that he is. But you know, I, I think the Rams have to control the clock and run the ball. Run get you know get their outside zone stuff going. A, drop an occasional dive in there and then hit their play actions. They grade off play actions and you know let Cooper and Odell do their thing. So Rams is the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rams by field goal at the end. Oh, Bengals cover. Rams so, uh, by field goal at the end. Yeah, that was my bet.
0: Bengals cover. Rams win. <laughs> That's the parlay. I think it's gonna be a good game. I, I just I think T Higgins is gonna have a monster game. I can believe that. He's a great player. People are underrating him because uh, he doesn't always get, I guess, the volume that they're hoping for. But <clears> man, he, you saw that game near the end of the year where he went nuclear, and he he has it in him. He's a yep. great player. I mean, he, people like to forget that he was their thirty uh, third overall pick, the first pick of the second round. Second round, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I
1: mean, he's 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 a real deal at about 65 I think. Yeah, he's big. He, he, <laughs> he, he's honestly if we do anything receiver wise, he his framework is what I feel like we should look for because Boykin is not Boykin has that framework, that frame I'm sorry that size, but he just not giving us what we
3: you want all of guy that big. Yeah, his uh his trajectory this year has been you know, just really sad. We were just talking in the last episode that With the hiring of T. Martin and Keith Williams, it was like receiver depth was probably the best position group on the team overall, just in terms of depth. And everybody kind of took a step forward, except for Boykin. It was just, you know, I know he had that uh, training camp injury. Uh, Him and Bateman sort of uh, missed the first couple of games of the season. But then Bateman thrown into the lineup, he was fine. Boykin had a few garbage time snaps, but other than that, nothing.
1: This summer when those guys got together to do their stuff in Arizona and in South Florida. Neither time was he there, and I thought it was a problem. Now, you know, granted, that's not mandatory. That's all, you know, guys getting together, working on their own thing. But if I depend on this guy throwing me the ball and he got all my competition at a certain spot, I feel like I need to be there too because I don't want him to get X, X amount of chemistry with them. And then I'm stuck, you know, on the back end when we actually go to work. So if all of my coworkers are going to be at point A, I need to get my butt to point A unless, you know, family emergencies, you know, something like that. And he wasn't there for either one of them. I don't think the year before he was there either. So I kind of, you know, have kind of washed my hands with it. And it is what it is now. Yeah, when all the wide receivers were posting their social media
0: of them all together and Miles wasn't there, I was just like, I don't know if that's. (laughs) I don't know if that's on Miles or if he just wasn't invited, but either way, that's just sad,
2: you know? Right. Like, yeah. That, if he wasn't invited, it's almost worse. <laughs> exactly. I know. But he, it, I,
0: yeah. if you ask me, I feel like he wasn't. <laughs> like, if I had to guess, <laughs> I think he wasn't invited, man. Like, uh, yeah, that's, the wide yeah.
1: receiver click was clear.
0: <laughs> it was everybody but him. Yep. Even
1: yeah. the rookies. Wallace mm. was there and um, Bateman was there. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm like at this point, I'm almost wondering is it like, is this like a Darren Waller situation? I mean, player. Or knowing now what Waller is, everybody was like, yeah, he was amazing. I'm like, we didn't know that <laughs> at all. I mean, are you talking about the move, the tight end? No, not the move, but just like the potential. He just, oh, you know, okay. because of his issues with, you know, the substance abuse and everything, he's just like, he was not in it. His head was not in the game, but he had the talent. And then mm-hmm. everybody showed it. Like I didn't know Steve Smith said a couple of years later he was like, "This guy's amazing." Like, but he just can't get his stuff together. I mean, I don't know if that's Boykin's issue. It might be something else. You know, I, I don't. I haven't heard anything that he has any sorts of those problems. But I mean, Waller's a great example. Max Crosby, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, raved at. He's an All Pro player this year because you know he gave up, you know, alcoholism. He's not mm-hmm. drinking anymore, and now he put all of his effort in.
1: Kudos to both those guys. Yeah. But I don't know about we, if Boykin if something needs to happen this year for him, whether it be position change or he, you know, somebody they give him a chance to go somewhere else and do his you know, his thing. But he's just wasting a roster spot. He 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 played over Prochet because he could run down a couple of pumps. Sickening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cause Prochet's done it before. Mm-hmm. Like he's been a gunner. Oh that's why I was like, come on, man. Yeah he's going to be gone. I mean, he cost them 2 million this year. If they want to talk about it, but that's another thing. EDC was saying to his presser. We'll have more cap. We'll have more cap. Like <laughs> they're going to have some more cap. And I can tell you one of them, it's going to be getting rid of miles. Boykin.
1: <laughs> that's 2 million right there. Well, anything else we want to talk about for offensive progression? No, I think it's just that to sum it up, that whole line, if that O line comes back. I do think that we'll be, you know, back in the top of the, the league off well, as a team, not just offensively, because it's, with as good of a coordinator as as um, uh, Roman is run game wise, I think Lamar was making the steps uh, pass game wise, and if you put both of those things things together, I think we'll be good.
0: Yep, and we've seen how this is a an offense dominated league. You got to play defense. You got to make big plays. I'm really hoping that uh, the change to McDonald will lead to more um interceptions i think that was honestly the thing that was missing this year was just we did not get turnovers the defense could not get off the field in fact the you know they actually had some pretty good games down the line when it came to just you know limiting yardage and making stops but they couldn't get the big plays they couldn't get the huge impact plays that uh you know kill drives and give you good field position for the offense so um i think they're going to address that with some personnel i think you you see guys like Gino Stone Stevens you got Ardarius these are all players that could get a bigger role next year and they bring in the honey badger that's that's a that's a big one too so mm-hmm. I think the talent might come obviously the ball hawking Marcus Pierce that's one thing we mentioned they mentioned Marcus Pierce is coming back it sounds like <laughs> either uh, I think the the another place they'll get cap is they're gonna do an extension of him somehow hundred percent. Yeah, they're going to make some kind of move with him. Yeah, because they, they can definitely play around with the money. So that's going to be a spot. So, yeah, I mean, he's a ball hawk, man. That that was a missing piece. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about
1: 2022. Mm-hmm. One, one thing, uh, and you made me you made me remember when you said uh, McDonald's name, in his press, uh, he kept talking about situational football. Mm. And we were good at football quarters one through three fourth quarter we were bad at situational football that's why we lost some of those games down the stretch and if you know if he puts the emphasis in situational football and reminding guys what they got to do in those situations I think the defense will take a, a leap forward too we won't get caught you know with uh, busted coverages and things like that mm.
0: that's a good point I remember they were talking about um, something that he wanted to take from Wink's game is that they would, he repeats the situations to players yes. that are about to happen mm-hmm. and um, yeah I think I mean that's going to be good, and and like you said, man, like the fact that the players are really excited to have him come back to the building, I think says a lot. So keep an eye on that. I mean, it'd be so cool if the Ravens have top five units on both sides of the ball. I think it's in the range of outcomes if they can just perform. So
2: um, and stay well, healthy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's part of performing. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> stay on the field. <laughs> you can't perform if you're on the sideline. Nope.
0: Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. It was uh, a real pleasure to talk to you. I had a great time. I
1: had a great time. Anytime in the future also. Thanks, man. We'll definitely have you back. And where can people find uh, what you do? Twitter is Coach Evans 9 and on um, YouTube is Sip and Fans.
0: Yep. Definitely go watch his cut-ups of uh, various draft prospects. It might change your opinion on some players that uh, you know the pundits are saying that we're going to draft. Go listen to Coach. I think he's a little bit more on the money. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter, Ravens underscore recap, or email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. We appreciate you guys sending in your questions and staying engaged. We'll be back in the coming weeks with more content. We'll figure it out, and uh, we'll
2: talk to you soon. Go, Ravens. Washington Commanders. What a lame name. Do they have a new logo? Because Google just says their logo is still the Washington football team logo. The W is different, but the, uh,
0: yeah, that's a good point. I don't, what is there? I mean, I saw that they have that, um, that seal, the 1932 seal. So we're here to talk about the commander's new uniforms. As Peter said, he thinks that he thinks it's a lame name. I think it's a fine name. I don't know. Chris, where do you say on the name?
3: It should have stayed the wolfed. <laughs> they
0: should have stayed the most all right
2: so i'm the i'm the outlier here i, I agree with chris wolf pack it's uh, it's awesome red wolves <laughs> whatever wolf something werewolves i don't care <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right well so we're looking here at the uh their new
0: uniforms and it's actually the first time that peter's seen the uniforms he didn't realize it was there was uniforms as well with the name so peter give us your your hot reaction i'm, I'm sure you see the picture of
2: all three the black the red and the white I mean, so full disclosure. I always thought that you know the team name redacted uniforms were by far the worst le- uniforms in the league. I hate the color scheme. I always thought that the the logo was dull, and somehow they just made it duller. I I just they look like college uniforms, honestly. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so I'll, I'll say this: like I find it very interesting the inconsistencies across the uniforms. So, the red uniform, you have commanders on it in the front, uh, which we thought we learned from the Falcons is, like, not a good idea. And then on the white uniform, it says Washington. And then on the black uniform, they have a little, like, left breast logo, but it's not, like, full width like the other two. So, they're all inconsistent there. And then they're all inconsistent in numbering style. Like, it, it literally looks like they had three different, like, designs. And they're like, let's use all of them and then just change it based off the color. <laughs> so like, then you have this like weird gradient numbers on the white that kind of reminds me of the Pro Bowl jerseys a couple years back. You've got like what looks to be the cheap, like two sides prints of uh, of numbers, that design that you see, like the stencil design. <laughs> That's what you kind of get on the black one. And then the the red is the closest, I think, of the the style where it has like the... Continuing outline line that kind of is reminiscent of the logo, the new W logo. So the, the red uniform feels like the most cohesive uniform as far as like vision, and then the other two just look like true alternates. <laughs> That's my take.
3: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I don't mind the red and gold color uh, in general; um it's a little bit more fresh. But yeah, there's just the inconsistency with like the font is just yeah, it's very bizarre.
0: And then everyone's hating on it. I think rightly. So the W right in the center of the helmet on the black version looks ridiculous.
2: Honestly, if you look at at, at that aspect ratio that far away, it kind of looks like an inchworm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an inchworm going. I mean, oh man. I, I I'm sorry. I Washington fans, if you're listening to this, which I don't know why you would be, unless you're you know really a closet Ravens fan who calls yourself a Washington fan. In which case, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i mean i I'm, I'm just being i'm just being blunt here like you know the ravens their gold pants they look like shit. um they only <laughs> wore them once <laughs> these these uniforms they, they, i mean it's completely subjective i'm sure there's plenty of people out there not saying it's you know plenty of people can still be a minority but you know there's plenty of people out here look at these jerseys and say they're dope I, but they're, that's not me i do I don't know. I, if if I was in charge, this I would have vetoed this hard and be like, "What are you guys doing?"
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're sticking with it because I mean, they're selling the jerseys. You can go out there and buy your, uh, you know, Chase Young ninety nine jersey in this new style, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't love the Commanders over the two or like over the numbers. I, I really think it looks terrible. I, I don't. I don't understand, man.
2: Well, I guess what they're just gonna have to do is you know. You know what can make a bad jersey look good is a lot of winning seasons and a lot of, a lot of playoff wins, so they're going to have to make these jerseys look good with their play. I don't know. I, I, now that I've seen the inchworm, I can't, I can't unsee it. <laughs> the, the W is an inchworm to me. <laughs> All right, to so wrap it up, let's say uh, score prediction and
0: MVP prediction for the Super Bowl. Going 27-24, Rams. MVP it's a quarterback to win. It's gonna be Stafford.
2: It'll be Burrow if it's not. It's gonna be a quarterback. It always is. <laughs> when was the last time it wasn't a quarterback? I mean, it was Seattle, twenty thirteen. It was Wagner, right? Oh, Edelman was the last one. Oh, right.
0: After that, Von Miller, then Malcolm Smith.
3: <laughs> yeah, Malcolm Smith. Not even Wagner, the other linebacker from Seattle. Oh, forgot about that. It was a very forgettable right. Super Bowl.
2: All right. Well. I said Cincinnati last week. I still say Cincinnati. Thirty-one to twenty. Burrows the MVP. Oh man, this
3: is so tough. Can it in a tie? You know, no. Ever had the Super? Bowl I mean, tie? It, technically, I guess it could if they go three days and no one wins <laughs> That's that point.
0: So the thing that's funny about the tie situation is that um, you can bet on it on oh, DraftKings. I saw you can bet that it ends in a tie. It's uh, nine hundred. a so nine to one odds. And I'm like, that feels not high enough. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. <laughs> like, yep. It should be infinite. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I could see it going either way. I'll, I'll, I'll say the Rams. I have a spicy take. How about uh, Rams win in a low-scoring affair? Uh, how about 21-17? And Aaron Donald, MVP i can see that happening
0: actually nice. i just feel like there's so much around stafford getting him there and being like you know oh he got out of detroit and he won the super bowl that like i just can't see it not going his way unless he actually is not the reason they win and it is like you know darnold just dominating the game or frames he gets like two pick sixes or something you know
3: you mean burrow not darnold dominating the game it's like Darnold's not playing. No, this Aaron Darn. Uh, oh, Donald. Donald, rather. Okay. Donald.
0: Sorry. Yeah, Donald. Yeah, Aaron Donald like dominates the game, and and I uh, thought you got it, Darnold a... and
3: Burrow confused for a second. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I, yeah, I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, Bengals are playing really well right now. I keep I keep remembering what Peter said last week of like they could be more dangerous if they don't win. I don't know what I want to feel. <laughs> I, Super uh, Bowls tend to start
0: yeah. slow. I'm a little worried about that, and just not being like they're. We want like there would be all this like you know offensive firepower back and forth like fun game, and I am not sure if we're necessarily going to get it because I think the play call might be more conservative because it is a big game and like the butterflies.
2: How how did la- I mean last year's Super Bowl the Bucks scored a lot. How did that one start? Yeah, so that was seven to three after the first quarter. Bucks scored twenty four points after that. Man, I talk
0: about the the wheels falling off. That's how you knew the Kansas City was going to lose against the Bengals. Just remember that Super Bowl. Sheesh.
3: Well, the LA Rams did put up uh, three points in the Super Bowl a few years ago, so that's not great for them either.
0: (laughs) I remember that, man. Remember they were so prolific, and we thought they were, and they just got completely shut down. Unbelievable. That was the most upsetting Super Bowl I've ever watched. Actually, no, I take that back. The most upsetting one was Atlanta whiffing and letting Tom Brady come back. The second most upsetting was letting Tom Brady win against the Rams because they just didn't show
3: up. (laughs) Right. Right
2: man i mean it's good to show you i mean anything anything can happen in the super bowl a lot of people or the majority of the pendants seem to be that the rams are going to win but you know look back 2016 i think it was 2016 remember the panthers only had one loss a lot of people weren't giving denver any uh any chance and they won that one pretty easily